It's, it's important as an IT nerd today to become entrepreneurial as well in your mindset uh, and why you're doing these things. It's not because of the cool technology, it's because there's a business value in it. That's the whole point. Hello and welcome to Fishy Business, a series dedicated to exploring the lesser known side of cybersecurity. I'm Alice. And I'm Brian and we're colleagues at Mimecast. Every episode will be joined by a special visitor who is definitely not your average guest to share tales of risk, reward and ridiculousness. We'll be looking for new ways to think about cybersecurity to learn how we can all improve in the fight to stay safe. Alice, here's a hard one. Who do you love interviewing the most on this podcast? Oh gosh, Brian, that's tough. I don't think I could pick a favourite. Ah, uh, you're right. So every guest is obviously interesting for different reasons, but I do love chatting to the people on the front lines the most, uh, the CISOs, uh, the CIOs, and I'm pretty sure our listeners love hearing from them as well. I think you're right there, Brian. People definitely love hearing from those in the same boat as them. So on the subject of boats, we've invited the CIO of a global shipping company and logistics company to chat with us today. Martin Walgren is from GAC, or Golf Agency Company, which is headquartered in Dubai. We'll be digging into some of the trends he's seeing in cybersecurity and discuss the key challenges he faces as the person responsible for keeping a global organization safe. So welcome to the podcast, Martin. It's great having you with us today. Oh, thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here today and uh, listen to your podcast quite often, the fishy business. Yeah. So now, now I'm part of it. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I'm glad to hear that. Um, well, as a, as a sort of frequent listener, you obviously know that we always like to start by simplifying things a bit and, and asking our guests how they would introduce themselves at a dinner party. I would probably say that um, I'm an entrepreneurial tech nerd with a business mindset. And um, what we actually do, I do business development with a touch of technology. I don't know if it makes sense. But I'm trying to get rid of the technology part of a CIO because we are so much more into the business side these days. Uh, yeah. Definitely a good conversation starter. Yeah, <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Definitely. That's fascinating. So, Martin, how did you get to where you are today? Um, by passion, I guess. Um, <laughs> I, I, actually, I absolutely love uh, technology and uh, the, the changes and, and the growth of different things and how very, very expensive technology can become available. Um, so the whole journey of technology development and growth is fascinating to me. And I also love doing business and understand how, how and, and I mean, how money and how the business and buyers bring us together in some, some way, right? So the whole journey between technology and that basically what the CAO role is all about today. Um, lately, though, it's also added to the security part, which was actually from my younger, uh, I mean, Amiga time uh, and the the BBS and the modem time. That's where I started with security. So all this together is probably why I'm a CAO today. I think Alice is sitting here wondering what a BBS is, but uh, um, I think you can see from my hairstyle <laughs> <laughs> that uh, I know exactly what a BBS and a modem is. Um, uh, Curious to know how much of your role, I mean, I know you sort of almost steered away from the CIO title, but obviously that's a big part of what you do, but how much of that is focused on cybersecurity? 
If you asked me 10 years ago, it would be very, very little. If you asked me today, I would say at least 20% of my uh, my daily work and my presentations internally and externally is about security today. It's been um, very, very uh, proven that the last, say, one to five years journey has been completely different. Um, uh, it is business critical. It's on every board's agenda today. And um, yeah, it went from like, something that was a cost to something that is actually strategical today. A little bit like sustainability also is growing, right? It went from something that you want to do, now you have to do. And what do you put that change in that sort of focus and that amount of time on cybersecurity? Do you think it's got, I mean, it's obviously a combination of factors, but if you kind of had to list the main factors behind that in, in your experience, what, what, what do you think they would be? Well, it's the growth of the profitability of that industry. Uh, it's very profitable to be a bad guy today. <laughs> and I think that's the reason why it grows. It's also very hard to get caught and get some penalties for it. So I think it's a very lucrative business if you are into that mindset. And uh, I think that is the problem. So that's one reason. The other reason is, of course, if you look at the way we operate our company today or 10 years back, this is it's much more um, dig digital tools. It's much more data-driven and it's much more connecting. And... Um, I mean, 10 years ago, this company I work for now probably had like three integrations, if that's, well, now we are hundreds of integrations with other companies, and that's, of course, makes us more vulnerable, and we need to take care of it. And Martin, I'm in, intrigued to ask you, with that, say, growth of importance and visibility of cybersecurity, and I think often that requires a change in mindset from other executives and, and board members to take it really seriously, how do you buy them into that discussion and, and gain their interest when often I, I find with these things that it isn't until it hits you that you start to take them seriously and at, at that point it's unfortunately too late. How do you bring them into the picture and get their buy-in earlier in the process? Well, I think that it's a lot of examples out there today that these guys sitting on the top level of board also um, are aware of today. That didn't happen five to 10 years ago that much. For example, I think all of us in this uh, podcast now have got like a WhatsApp message or an SMS from some kind of scammer, right? So it's quite easy to just prove the point because they've probably been aware themselves. So the awareness of that it happens, I think that's all. I think no one... Uh, in my industry for that shipping and logistics, uh, haven't heard about MERS, for example, which was your former, uh, one of your former speakers, right? Um, th that's kind of helped us uh, putting on a different agenda because everyone realized that could happen to us and it can happen to anyone. So that's all. Now that doesn't, that's not the same thing as giving you money to do something about it. So that's a different discussion, right? That's, that's where you have to be a little bit smart, where, um, I mean, it's not about that it will happen, it's the, what you can do to make it not happen. So what I try to do is to bring it to a business case all the time. And that's why I say it's all have, have to be with the business. So if we don't do it, what business do we uh, lose? Or what can happen with the brand? And that kind of discussions rather than this is dangerous, I'm going to scare you with good examples and high, uh, high impact. Talk about what, how more business we can gain or what other areas in business we can go to if we have an ISO certificate, for example. And I think that works better because then it's business related, then it's easy to put some kind of KPI on it that actually, yeah, this is the right direction. 
so I feel that IT security and sustainability question has a little bit the same kind of uh, problematic, right? How do you spend money on the sustainability work if you don't see the result, right? How do you spend money on cybersecurity if you don't see a result? It's like an insurance as well. You hope you never use it. Yeah. So you have to be smarter how, how to sell that. Yeah, I think it's great advice because um, it's quite interesting. We've actually released recently released two research reports. One was qualitative and it looked at the board's perception of cyber risk. And the other one is our set of email security reports. And, and there's been a number of other pieces of research. Most of them are focused on what the board is wanting versus what the board is getting. And you've kind of described that quite well. You know, the board is not wanting this sort of hyper tense, very technical, you know, they just want it to be sort of positioned as just another business risk. What I'm finding interesting, and maybe you can kind of give some of our listeners um, some ideas here, is when I present some of these reports um, to cybersecurity teams or IT teams, normally what I get is a sense of frustration that, sure, the board claims they want all of these things, but in reality, they don't give us enough time to present. They don't necessarily understand cyber enough, even at a sort of a board level executive kind of knowledge of cyber. Would you agree with those criticisms of boards? And, and if you do, how do you kind of get around those? How do you help educate the board? And, and how do you kind of, apart from obviously putting things in business terms, what else can, can these kinds of organizations and, and IT organizations do? Um, is it called dragon's nest in English? The, uh, the thing, right? Where you have to pitch something very quickly, very to the point and, and be specific, right? Dragon's den. <laughs> yes. That's the trick. You do the same thing, but you do it from a business perspective of cybersecurity. And I promise you that will be a different focus. If you book one hour for these guys and you're going to talk about cybersecurity, don't do it. Ask for 15 minutes and push yourself to do something very quickly to the point of the action point. I mean, that's what they want. They want to take a decision. That's why they're there. And then move on, right? They have more problems to solve. So help them take the right decision, guide them and, and prove that you know what you're talking about and own the problem. Okay, that's where you get the decision. I like that. It's the, the art of the elevator pitch. It's a, yet another skill that, uh, that people need to learn is that ability. And it does have the security. Look, for every time you do this kind of things, think before you, you talk, right? And that's that's how you plan. Um, that's why I'm telling that it's it's important as an IT nerd today to become entrepreneurial as well in your mindset uh, and why you're doing these things. It's not because of the cool technology. It's because there's a business value in it. That's the whole point. And I think that's a very good lesson for for many executives and, and senior leaders across the board as, as well as um, security and, and IT as well. And do you find, Martin, we've spoken about obviously the increase in the importance of cybersecurity over the, the last, say, 10, 15 years. And obviously more recently, the world has gone through a huge shift through the pandemic and, and life changed as we all knew it. Do you think there was a greater awareness from senior leadership around the impact of cybersecurity and cyber threats on the business through that shift and through that period? I definitely think so because we all went home and we were sitting at home and if we didn't have Zoom or Teams that didn't work because your computer was something wrong with, you realized how vulnerable this is and that we need to take care of it. So definitely uh, that. It also created more problems for us. Uh, because of complexity of people moving information home rather than the information stayed at the office in a bit more, right? So that's definitely a, a, a more problem. But yeah, um, I mean, people talk a lot about pandemic. I don't think cybersecurity was the worst threat to pandemic. I think that 
people didn't see. So their own psychology was harder, to be honest. Um, so I think actually the pandemic helped to, to have the debate about it. What did you find was maybe the most impactful training tool or was there a training opportunity or a learning opportunity that surprised you that had a lot of impact that maybe you weren't expecting? Yeah, um, the, the, the absolutely best awareness to the work during, especially during the pandemic, was humor. Because people needed something to laugh about, right? So what we did, we we had a company making short, it's called Nugget Movies, I think, short movies um, about certain things that happens. Uh, and it was a little bit both silly, a little bit like Monty Python silly sometimes, about cybersecurity. And the feedback we got from that was we had, uh, we sent this out to everyone as an internal course, a cyber course, and we had a 96% participation in the first three weeks, which is absolutely amazing. Wow. And the whole slogan was think before you click, and it was everything about, you know, uh, yeah, funny password changes and all this stuff. That really helped because we used humor in during the pandemic where everyone was a little bit depressed. I think that was a really, really uh, successful part. And um, yeah, I mean, awareness movies. I see some kind of these trainings and awareness is quite boring. They took a lot of technology. What it really is, stop clicking on stupid stuff. There is also a thing as free donuts and you're not going to get the free coffee. I mean, you haven't even been to Starbucks. Why do you click it, right? Why do you click the MasterCard? Like you don't even have a MasterCard. This is what we're joking about, and, and suddenly it becomes reality. And start. Uh, we also, um, uh, yeah, starting to that the first one who sends us uh, like a a an email or something that they think is wrong, uh, then they get the promotion kind of thing. This week's top heroes, you know, uh, they, they they think before they click. And I love that balance, I think, on that human psychology of, you know, creating, say, a leaderboard and bringing out people's competitiveness. I think often even if people say they're not competitive, there's often a quiet little bit of competitiveness in there that they don't realise potentially. But also, you know, you often find that the best stand-up comedians, for example, are the funniest ones because they're they're making jokes out of real life that people can relate to and say, oh, yeah, actually, I've done that as well. So picking up on those day-to-day topics that are so relatable, I think is so important. On the business side as well, Martin, what do you, or what would you say is the most important part of a cybersecurity strategy? <laughs> to have one. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, as I see sometimes that people don't really know where they're getting it. So, so um, I think it's to set a goal and, and, and it might sound boring and simple, but why don't you just put the, a goal on saying, I'm going to be ISO certified in this. That will bring you, and you can also set the timeline as that realistically, you can be like, hey, in three years, we're going to have the certificate on the wall. If you bring that to everyone's attention, you work with it, then of course it's going to happen. If you're a good leader and you get the people on board and give the right tools, that's going to happen. That's going to give you some, they're going to give you something, right? Uh, it can be other goals as well, saying that, yes, we would like to uh, have a very good answers to all our tender documents, because on most tenders today, you have some kind of cybersecurity part, right? Make sure we can answer those questions, which means we have to have this, this, and this, and this certificate again, right? I think bringing down the goals instead of trying to say, yeah, we need to stop the bad guys. I'm curious to sort of uh, dig a little bit deeper on this, because it's obviously a, a big topic of debate in, in cybersecurity in general, this concepts of compliance and following compliance frameworks and then becoming secure. Um, but the the real question, I guess, is is where do you draw the line? How do you look at you know compliance and how do you look at security and how do you find that interplay? What's the best way to to actually find an execution path there? 
I mean, I think the certificate doesn't do anything, but the journey to the certificate does a lot. And one thing it really creates is a common um, glossary and 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 understanding of what we try to do. What is cybersecurity? What does it mean for different departments? And that's the real power. Suddenly you stop talking the same language, which means you can define the problem, which means you can also find a solution for it. So the certificate, the NOB, I don't really, uh, I mean, it's up to the company and some, in some industries, it's, 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 you have to have it to be able to get a certificate. I mean, for other reasons, or I think at least it's a good journey. There are other industries that also have specific uh, certificates that they need to have. If you want to work in automotive industry, there are specific rules to take care of their, uh, you know, when a car comes up from the uh, design uh, factory, first time one car is only exists. If you're going to take care of that one from a holistic perspective, you need to have certificates for certain areas of cybersecurity because they don't want that picture to be leaked, right? Uh, so there are sometimes you can use those things to solve another problem. Uh, so the business, again, the, it's a business problem, not an IT problem, if you get me. But I, I, I like that sort of summary there that you put together because it, it, it is really about that common language and common language then kind of creates that common set of actions and, and slowly builds that culture of security. And I, I like that way of looking at it um, because it is really a people, you know, ultimately business is about people uh, and people doing things. Um, and I know maybe this is probably a bit of a crude segue from people to, to AI, but it's kind of come up in just about every podcast uh that that's you know I've listened to across the board ever since the release of of ChatGPT. It's always been an element of uh, of cybersecurity. There's that you know it's been part of a system of controls, but really it's at the kind of forefront it's on everybody's lips. Um, where you know where's your thinking when it comes to the use of AI? Well, let's rather call it machine learning. I much prefer machine learning. Everyone's calling it AI, but in cybersecurity, um, what's your take on it? Well, first of all, it scares me to death. Because of two reasons. The um, the bad guys have now a tool to write extremely interesting um, uh, emails that look much better than the Nigeria letters. Um, it, it's an extremely powerful tool for that. It's also a very powerful, powerful tool to, to, to steal a voice and then start to do voice things. So their way of fooling us is so much more strong now, which uh, which scares me and which needs more awareness for our staff, right? So the next courses is all about that that we have internally, how fake a deep fake actually can fool us a lot. Uh, so from that perspective, I'm, I'm, I'm very scared. Um, the other thing I'm scared of is that when these cool stuff comes to Office 365, for example, they're going to have this, uh, I think it's called cool pilot thing. Mm. Um, if you don't have control of your IT security internally, it is going to find stuff that you're not supposed to find in the document label, in the document folders, right? So it's going to find everything because it's very quick on doing it as well. So if you have access to a folder that you might not have access to, but you don't know about it, no harm done. This little AI stuff will find it quickly and might find some stuff internally that shouldn't be found. That's, I mean, it's very hard to... In a global company like we are, we have three and offices, 50 countries. I promise you there is some server, so some folders that are open to more than it should be. And they are going to find it quickly. So that kind of control scares me a bit. How do we handle that kind of thing? Uh, that's, that's quite interesting. Yeah. Is, have you encountered anything like that yet? Have you started to kind of see those sorts of things happening, either in the, the deep fakes with, say, voicemails or, or people getting access to documents they shouldn't have? 
because of these AI tools just yet? Oh yeah, I mean, if you just if you're using Office 365, uh, they have released a tool. I'm, I want to see what its name was here. Um, quite recently, that 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 we actually found a hole because of it, and luckily we are a group IT founder before anyone else. I think it's called Dwell. And what Well does was like, yeah, it gathers everything that you had access to and what you people in your surrounding talk about internally. And suddenly there were some HR documents that shouldn't be to everyone. And that was, uh, yeah, we wrongly shared. And suddenly we had an openness. So yes, there is already these things happening. Because most of the concern that I've seen has been data leak, but more data leak to the AI organization as part of their training data. Um, but but what you're saying there is is sort of almost data leak internally, which is which is an absolutely valid concern. It hadn't. It's not something that uh, that I'd actually considered yet. But the third part is what you just mentioned: is how much do you share to the the external world to get your I mean, chat TDP to answer you good, right? What kind of what kind of secure what 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 kind of stuff do you say? I mean, I see so many scary stuff where people actually put out the whole tender document, write it better. Oh my God, prices, everything is there, right? Uh, I haven't seen it from GP. I've seen the, the stories on uh, on <laughs> on YouTube where this happens. So I'm just scared of that. People find, people are lazy. If someone can do the job for you, you're going to do it. I think you raise a really interesting point there. And we've discussed it briefly with uh, previous guests on the podcast is we're kind of like the guinea pig generation. If you think, you know, when social media started coming out and people were posting their whole lives on the internet and didn't really know the consequences. And now we're finding out the consequences of those. And now with AI coming through, and as you say, people posting up very valuable information into um, potentially unsecure forums, et cetera. And then, you know, they're potentially not necessarily thinking of the, the consequences of that either. And it's a, I would imagine it's quite a challenge around, embracing new technology but also making sure that we're using it carefully and mindfully would you say or what are your thoughts on using ai as say a security control at the same token well again with the right guy handling it is probably perfect um um i think it could do a very good job of i also think that there's a there's another danger which i i don't know how really to express but i also feel that some of these tools will make us dumber. It will, it will only answer exactly the question you ask it. It will not think about that. So um, I'm afraid that we are, might not see a different way of solving the problem because you're always going to ask a machine. Uh, to, to give an example, if you um, 50 years ago have a very difficult mathematical problem, you probably spend a lot of time to calculate that journey. That journey might take two weeks to solve this mathematical problem. Now, during that journey, you will do a lot of mistakes. And other things will happen that your brain will now start to think about other stuff. You will actually get ideas on that idea. I mean, you will get ideas during that process. You will get ideas. If you ask a calculator and it solves it in two seconds, you will get, just get the answer. But you will miss the whole journey that your brain actually needs to, to handle, right? I'm afraid that the... the the AI will make us stupider. We will be very good at writing prompts, but not very good at thinking way on and, and critical and learning stuff. But I and look, if you take that idea out of cybersecurity, I mean, I want my team to understand the nuts and bolts in the system. I want them to really understand the deep uh, IP technology to find loopholes and bad design before the AI tool does it. If you're talking about the tool that reads logs, fantastic. 
but the result needs to be taken care of by people that understand the concept because we're going to get new innovations by that, new ideas of stopping stuff or learning about our own organization that way. And I think that's that's really, you know, that aligns perfectly the way I, I think about AI. It's got a huge role to play in yeah. kind of helping us to address the skill shortage when it comes to, as you say, something like reading logs. But how do you how do you explain to people where that balance is? Um, I, I love that analogy of, you know, not being able to do maths and additions. I've seen people at restaurants taking out their phones just to, you know, calculate what the tip, a 10% tip on a, on a yeah. bill. You sit there going that this is really not a difficult mathematical problem, but people have just become conditioned to letting the technology take over the most basic form of thinking. And as you say, if it's doing log analysis, um, you know, that sort of drudge work, let's call it mental drudge work, that's fine. But where, how do you find, how do you make that finer distinction when it comes to things that are not quite that obvious? Uh, well, very tough question. Um, I think it's case by case first, but you also have to think about um, what problem are you really trying to solve? Do you need to understand this problem? It is core for your operations. It is core for your business. Then I really think you should start learning it from scratch and really understand the problem. If it's not core, if it happens once a year, or if it's, a, it's just something that is never going to change, it's always like that, of course, give it to an AI. I mean, this makes no sense to do repetitive work like that. But it's like, uh, I mean, you probably heard this analogy before, right? It's like a farmer with or without a tractor. Uh, okay, so now he has a tractor, but he doesn't know how to run it. Well, that's something you have to learn. So at least that's good. Okay, now we have some kind of the next step level of the of the knowledge. But then he still need to know exactly about his crop and his all the farming stuff. But the tractor will not solve that. But he will still solve the, the hard and you know boring work that doesn't give any real value. I would like to see more AIs doing that kind of job instead of uh, I mean doing everything. I would like to see AI going forward that specializes certain tasks and really good at it. But it shouldn't take over right now, at least, uh, our brain totally, because that, that, that will destroy the uh, energy. And, 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 and I mean, solving problem is fun, right? If you, everything is solved for you, what's the fun? I, I have another thing that scares me about AI, and uh, let's see if you, if you buy this as well. If you like take a... Um, business and you build a system around an API that goes to a good AI engine. Okay. You build all the service around it and then you let it go. What happens one and a half year later when they change their business model or basically say we're not profitable, we're gonna we're gonna stop this. You don't have any knowledge how that machine works. You put every egg in one basket for that kind of so but then you don't know the root cause how it works. Suddenly you are put all that business just up. And you can't control it. You don't own the problem. So uh, I'll, I'm going to be honest. We have a lab team working all this fancy stuff. I think it's fantastic. But I'm also a little bit reluctant to put everything in now and actually release a service that we earn money on right now until I understand really how we can use it. And if it change or they put a different business model, how can we do it instead? And I think you made a, an interesting point earlier, Martin, around, you know, AI can be very powerful when it's managed by the right person or the person with the right expertise and experience. And I, I think we're aware that, and uh, Brian mentioned it earlier around skill shortages, you know, not being able to find the right people for the right roles, especially in the security industry right now. Mm. What has been your experience of that impact? I don't think we actually had that problem. And that's, that's the scary part. 
if you have the right story, you're going to attract the right people. If you have the right attitude and, and you know, uh, culture in your company, you're going, to write, you're going to attract the right attitude and people. I think if you can't find the people working for you, you have a different problem than the salvage group. Now, yes, it's difficult to find, but with the right mindset and the right attitude and maybe even salary, you're going to get them. Everyone had a big problem after COVID with the uh, big resignation, I think people call it, right? And uh, it also happened to us, of course. But luckily we had a culture that, okay, so many people left us, but also majority wants to come back. And that's good. So it's a, it's an interesting journey. I think you should, we, 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 even in this AI world and all, whatever you have, you need to have a good culture, you need to have a good atmosphere, and that's how you can to, to, to get the people, not just skills. Skills you can learn, but attitude you you cannot buy, right? So yeah, this is this is how this is how this is how I really believe it works. And that's clearly a great testimony to to uh, GAC as well, and and the culture and uh, the business culture that you have internally. And um, maybe one final question before we close: Your profession is clearly very serious, but like any job, I would imagine you've had some funny or maybe slightly ridiculous, if we can call it, days. Uh, would you be able to maybe share with us one of the funny or maybe more bizarre stories you've had as a CIO? Well, the most bizarre story I had was to come to a, a, a GAC six years ago, where we have, uh, I think, a, a night in different cultures in the team at the moment. And uh, they celebrate everything. They celebrate Halloween, Ramadan, Diwali, Christmas. They dance a lot and they just freak out. And it's so weird to see IT staff absolutely freak out and, and, and enjoy this. And um, I think that is something that was really eye-open to me. And that's also how we got the idea for the awareness session where about the humor and these things, right? So I absolutely think that the, the most fun about my, my job right now, the ridiculousness, is all these weird cultures and religions mixed together. Martin, it's been fascinating uh, speaking with you. So thank you so much for, for taking the time to speak with us today. We always like to end our episodes by asking our guests three simple questions. Firstly, uh, looking back over your career, what would you say is the one insight that you'd wish you'd learnt sooner or that you could go back and tell your younger self? That's an easy one. Just chill. Everything's <laughs> not important. I mean, relax. And uh, I mean, not everything is written in blood. So just, you can change it afterwards. So just chill, take decisions and move on. Nothing is dangerous, right? So that's what I really like. I'm happy I'm not a surgeon, by the way. So my role, I would definitely go back and say, just chill, relax. It's going to be fine. And, uh, you know, take your decisions and move on. You can change it later. That's definitely a good one. I think I could also use that every now and then. So uh, yeah, I'll be writing that one down. <laughs> Have it up in front of me, just chill. <laughs> So Martin, I don't want to put any pressure on you, but based on some of the uh, the answers and conversation you've had today, I'm really looking forward to this next answer. What are you reading or listening to at the moment? And is there anything that you'd uh, recommend to our listeners? Yeah, um, it is a little bit of odd uh, book maybe, but it's called Disrupt Disruption. Uh, it's written by a guy called uh, Pascal Finet. I met him at uh, uh, in Silicon Valley, I think it's 10 years ago now. He, he worked with something called Singularity University. And sitting at the Google uh, and the NASA area there. It was absolutely fascinating guy. And uh, he writes a book called Disrupt Disruption. I think you should read it. Brilliant. Fantastic. Thank you. And looking to the future, maybe this time next year, 
What trends do you think CIOs will have to be aware of? What trend? Uh, well, you know what? I really, I mean, maybe the trend won't happen, but I really would like it. I would like to kill all the buzzwords. I'm so against all the buzzwords that people put more makeup on the pig instead of really understand that you need to change your foundation sometimes to make it happen, right? And I'm, I'm all this digital transformation stuff that doesn't actually change the foundation of the company. Stop, please. Stop buying new stuff. Think before you, 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 you do something. So that's my hope for the future rather than what I think about the future. Fantastic. Well, Martin, thank you so much for your time today. I wish we had more time, but uh, we'll have to have you back again in the future. And thank you also to all of our listeners for joining us on this week's Fishy Business. It's been a pleasure to have you with us. If you have enjoyed our podcast today, please do leave us a review on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you're hearing this. And feel free to follow us on our Twitter page at Mimecast if you'd like to learn more about what we discussed today. 